In this episode, we sit down with Susan Marshall. I thought Susan was a blast. I had a lot of fun. First time I'd met her. Yeah. Yeah, she is not... Um, what would you say? She's not um, insular. She's not introverted. She's not um, quiet. She did edit herself for a while until I told her that swearing was permissible well, on a podcast. You know, we're we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're authentic. We're authentic. Um, no, Susan was was so great. It was such a pleasure to get to hang out and hear her tell some stories. I got to ask her about headspace and being a, a session vocalist, which is. You know, you and I, we'll go and we'll sit down and play. It doesn't matter. We can be kind of achy or fighting off a cold or something. But I tell you what, making your living singing is, uh, you got to protect that instrument. Right. And um, her and uh, Reba Russell uh, have done a ton of sessions together. And notably of late, the Foy Vance record. uh, Mm, Which was great. It was just, oh, so good. If you haven't heard that, um, check out his Memphis record, uh, Susan... Reba and a whole bunch of Memphis musicians lent themselves to Sonic Gold. Yeah, and well, I mean, what you were talking about earlier with the uh, session vocalists, you know, we're, we're, we've talked about this quite a bit when we get into it with Susan, where you have to make that transition, or you don't have to, but what it what it's like to make that transition, excuse me, from sideman to frontman. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, have never really fronted a band. I've been a leader, but it's always been an instrumental situation right. where you know you don't have to really embrace that personality. <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. That personality is not a bad thing, but it's necessary <laughs> when you're having to engage an audience. Yeah, you know? and uh, you can of course catch her regularly at the Itabina Restaurant, which is right above BB BB King's on Beale Street. And South Second, you know, that street has multiple names, but it's the one that runs right across Peel, right by the Peabody. Um, Just check online. It's it's a nondescript, non-marqueed building with the entrance on the side. Not on Beale, but on on South Second right there. Anyway, you can catch catch her regularly, and she is just a delightful artist. Please go see Susan. Well, welcome, Susan Marshall, to... You know, we have a studio now, don't we, Jonathan? We do. (laughs) At the, lovely, nice. at the lovely Opera <laughs> yeah, Memphis you're facilities. Very, <laughs> <laughs> very nice. The lovely, talented, prolific Susan Marshall, mm-hmm. not to be mistaken with the other Susan Marshall. <laughs> From Reptile Records From Reptile, in Nashville. Who I'm, sure, who I'm sure is Go. wonderful as well. Yes. Um, gosh, thanks for hanging out with us today. So we, by, by rote, by form, we always kind of start with a little biography, and it seems to just get the conversation flowing. So you want to tell us a little history of, of yourself? Okay, well, it all started back. <laughs> I, I got the theater bug when I was in middle school. Yeah. Um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, wow. And uh, I was the last little chickadee to leave the nest. And my mom and dad were being transferred. Uh, they had their choice of either going to Denver or Memphis. And so my dad and mom chose Germantown because they had a really good fine arts department. Oh, nice. Mm. And they wanted, because they wanted to help me, mm-hmm. you know, thrive in, yeah. in what I wanted to do, even though I didn't really know that's what I wanted to do. And um, so we moved here and I was, you know, just all up in the fine arts department under the uh, 
the guidance of Frank Bluestein and Sarah Savell. Wow. And um, and it just kept growing and growing and um, and finally went to college uh, out in the United States University in San Diego. Oh, and wow. I had this really great um, director at the show. And he said, Susan, are, are you, why are you here? Because <laughs> he's like, clearly your academics are, are not stellar. <laughs> and uh, and so I thought, oh, well, th- thanks. Yeah, I, I know. Um, and he said, no, seriously, why, why are you here going to school? Are you wanting to be a teacher? And I'm like, well, no, I, I want to perform. And he goes, well, he goes, I, I, I'm not real big on telling people to drop out of college. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. He said, but I think it might be best. He said, nobody, it, you know, what you were wanting, what I was wanting to do at the time was, you know, perform in musicals right. on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I guarantee you as a director, as someone who directs live and film, no one is going to look at your resume and go, well, we can't hire her. She doesn't have a degree. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you either fit the part, you have it for that part that they're Mm -hmm. looking for, or you don't. So he said, "I, I really encourage you to go to New York. Here's the agent that I had, my wife and I had when we were there. And... And so I, I did. I dropped out. Well, you know, that's funny. I was just listening to a, an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> it's, it's along the same lines as what you're saying. But he, you know, he said, you know, people are worried about their grades, you know, or, or not taking the hard course because, you know, of what grade they might get or something. He's like, go right. ask anybody right now over 30, you know, the last time somebody asked them what their GPA was. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, uh, no one cares. No. <laughs> no one cares. Well, it's, but especially in music, you either... Yeah. There's either something there or there's not. Yeah. And yeah. and you can't really and he was right. It's yeah. like unless I wanted to teach and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So 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 you went to New York. So you took his advice and boom. Yeah. I went to New York and um and I I for a summer uh, I went to uh, Circle in the Square theater program and uh Studied a little bit with uh, Frank Langella, Raul Julia, mm. uh, all these these different people, you know, because I really was into the acting and mm-hmm. the music, you know, everything. So I started auditioning, and I I got into an off Broadway repertory company mm-hmm. called Light Opera of Manhattan, and so I was so excited, uh, you know. Pirates of Penzance. Oh yeah! I was in the in the chorus for that, and I was so excited. And this bl- being there, you could actually work to get your equity card. Oh yeah! So I was like, oh okay, because you know, I deal. knew, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, I've really fallen into the right place here. And then I started, even though I was a lyric soprano, and really was studying to do all the soprano parts, mm-hmm. um, because of my physique and red hair, um, they. They put me in all the mezzo lusty wench parts, mm. <laughs> or and, and I was like, but, but I'm not a mezzo. At least not yet. I'm not. You know, um, my voice hasn't really dropped, um, and so it kind of just uh, it, either uh, the the soprano parts are always the ingenue, the sweet, right. you know, in the operettas, yeah, and. And the mezzo roles are either 
the um, the trollop who dies, <laughs> <laughs> or or the comedic right. uh, relief. And so I would get. I never got an ingenue role the whole mm. time I was there. I was either hamming it up as the comic, you know, relief, or dying as the wench. <laughs> so um, the side chick. Yeah, the side. <laughs> The side trollop. <laughs> Every opera's got to have one. <laughs> and, yeah, and so I, I did that for about five years, and, um, and I, I started, you know, auditioning for more and more stuff, and I just could never get past that off-Broadway thing, even though I did a lot of, I did a Broadway pending show, and I just got kind of tired. Like, mm-hmm. I just... I just felt like, you know, this is exhausting. I love New York City, but I'm so tired of being poor mm. and not knowing, you know, just temping and right. all this stuff. So I finally decided to make the call to come back to Memphis. And I didn't want to because I thought, oh, if I come back, that's I'll have my tail between my legs. Right. Sure. And everyone will think I'm a failure. Right, yeah. But I really just I just really wanted to come home, have a soft place to land and kind of regroup and think, what do you want to do, Susan? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> so I started helping I moved back, live with my mom and dad, which was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because when you've lived in New York for five years on your own. You're moving, on your own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moving back with mom and dad yeah. under their roof and their rules. Oh. Mm-hmm. The, it, the dynamic of being the adult child is, it, it's a thing. Have it, you experienced that? Did you, or have I, you define been? Define adult child. <laughs> it's, well, I, I, I have. So, I often feel like 18. I've never grown up. In a similar, well, in a similar vein, uh, yeah, I, I was in L.A. and then I moved. Back in with my folks to St. Louis yeah. with the intent of going back to L.A. Ah. And, and so, yeah, and I was 22, you know, and so <laughs> it was, they were very gracious, uh, you know, with the, some of the late nights and, and, and whatnot. But, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a special tension that, that arises out of that. And, uh, yeah, the adult child. <laughs> Well, yeah, because you've if you've lived on your own at all, right? Oh, yeah. Are your roommates? Are you parents? Yeah, (laughs) not really sure what's going on here. It's a little awkward. Yeah, it is. is. Yeah, I guess I've never. Especially when you're their little girl Mm. and you're the last one, and you're always going to be their baby. Oh, yeah. So. (laughs) So you mentioned coming back home. Mm -hmm. Um, When when did you move to Memphis as a child? The first time we moved was. Here was in '78, so I started my fresh freshman year of high school mm-hmm. in '78. Okay. Um, I, I guess what I was getting at, so I, I'm I'm always curious. I, sometimes I don't know what, like I know where I grew up, right? But like what I call home is sometimes it's weird, you know. Like I, I know where home is now. <laughs> it's home's where my family is, but uh, it, you know, it's I guess the question I'm asking is. Um, you know, when did it feel like home, you know? Because you, you traveled around a little bit before moving to Memphis, right? Or like the West Coast. And, yes. And, and, yeah. Right. I mean, I was born in Utah. Mm-hmm. Don't remember it. Um, the first day of my life that I actually can recall. I must have been somewhere, you know, at two, two and a half. I don't know. Um, where the car door opens and I see this house and I'm running to it. And that was Eugene, Oregon. Mm. 
Mm. So we lived there for my my dad was uh, worked for this uh, Litton Industries oh, wow. Monroe Calculator Company, and so they he was the regional manager, and they would yeah. always be sending him to different places to get you know that regional sales yeah you know spike going pretty well. So so we moved a lot, and I have two sisters. One is seven years older, and one is ten years older. So. I mean, I was really the baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so after that, we we moved. Um, we lived in, in Eugene for a good seven years. And my grandparents lived in Canada. So, you know, uh, my mom's mom and dad yeah. were from, she was can- Canadian. So uh, we would drive up and down. You know, they would lived in Kelowna. Mm. British Columbia, so beautiful. And it was a really great childhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, really beautiful being around the Rocky Mountains and and the um, the beautiful sea. And then I had my aunt and my cousins, my dad's sister, and his mother lived in California. And we ended up getting, uh, he, my dad, got uh, transferred to work in, De- in Pasadena, California. And so we lived in Whittier. My grand, my aunt lived in um, San Jose. Wow. And my grandmother lived in Seal Beach, which was like an hour away drive for us. Mm-hmm. In Orange, she was in Orange County where we were. So it was great because I got to spend time with my other grandmother and and my cousins. And we left one sister behind in uh, in. In Eugene, and but then she followed us and got married, and then moved back to Eugene, and then when we moved away from Whittier, we it was just me and my uh, my sister Debbie. We moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was the next move, and that's where the the bug, yeah. Yeah. you know, for theater really took hold. I got into choir, and I was just, oh my god. <laughs> singing with other people yeah and harmonizing it was everything i had dreamed of you know it was just so mm. great and i loved my teacher and she was the one that encouraged me to go audition for albuquerque civic light operas production of oklahoma oh, and gosh. that's literally where like that's when my dad saw me and he was like one that's when he made the decision. He's like, we know. He talked to my mom. And he's like, we have to move someplace. Hmm. You know, when they were getting transferred, yeah. he's like, we have to pick a place where Susan's really going to thrive. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So I got lucky. So so, you, so you've acquired more chops in New York. I mean, you've been grinding away for five years. And then you make it move back to Memphis. Yeah. And, and were you thinking, this is temporary. I'm going to just collect some like I was thinking, you know, and then bug on out to back to New York or maybe West Coast or, or were you thinking? I, yeah, I yeah. was, I was not really sure what I was thinking. I was kind of thinking going back yeah. to um, LA because I had been there several times. Mm-hmm. I loved it out there. Mm-hmm. My sister was out there and um, yeah. And then, and then I got a call from uh, Duck Dunn's niece, mm. Joe Joe Beth Dunn, and Joe Beth had gone to Germantown High School, and I knew about her. Mm-hmm. She was legendary. Y- yeah, <laughs> she was a bass player, and but she was also involved in musicals, and 
um, a beauty queen. And, oh, wow. You know, yeah, she's gorgeous. And um, so I, I knew about her. Mm-hmm. But because of our alumni association at Germantown High School, we had met. And she, she called me up and asked me if I would come give voice lessons to this girl named Gwen Spencer. Now, I had met Gwen at Kirby High School because I was helping with their musicals, and she scared the shit out of me. <laughs> she, she was like one of those tough girls, <laughs> you know, like she would... She could kill you with a look. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I was a little apprehensive about going to give her a voice lesson, but Joe Beth was like, I'll be there, you know, because we're songwriting partners. I'll be there. So I go to give her a voice lesson, and they were like, oh, excuse me, we'll be right back, because they were looking at each other, and I was like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> and they walked out of the room and came back in, and... Uh, and the whole thing, the whole reason why I was going to give Gwen voice lessons is because they, she, Gwen wanted to front her own band. Mm. She was a fucking amazing, amazing guitar player. Oh, wow. And so she wanted to front band, and they left the room, came back, and they're like, change of plans. Would you like to front the band? And I'm like, what? I don't sing rock. Okay. I don't. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you can. No, no, no. You can do it. And it's like, really? You know, like, it's kind of a weird thing going yeah. from musicals, operetta, classical, theater, <laughs> to to uh, rock, soul, blues. So that that wasn't even on your horizon. In, no, in your, I mean that interesting. Wow. No, I, it just and I, I've always kind of been. My my dad always had this motto: plan your work, and work your plan. <laughs> and I didn't really know. Uh, I mean, I was thought I was in the middle of planning things. Thinking, regrouping, mm-hmm. where did I want to go next? But I kind of thought, you know, what the hell? Yeah. What have I got to lose? So I went with it. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of hard work and um, a lot of screaming, <laughs> learning how to sing in a different way mm-hmm. to where I didn't lose my voice. Yeah. How do you do that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My, that voice is gone. I mean, that was a everything that I sang, everything that they wrote for me to sing was at the very top of my belt. Oh wow! So it's that's a little hard to sustain if you're not ever able to kind of settle down into a song to give it a rest. Mm-hmm. Everything was intense. Wow. And, what, what was it uh, like punk rock almost? I mean, no, was it, it was it was rock soul. It was uh, okay. It was a, a group called the Mother Station, and we ended up getting signed to East West under Atlantic record label, mm. and um, that was just a trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all around the same time. So Gwen and I um, 
Joe Beth was friends with a man named Jody Stevens. (laughs) Jody and Joe Beth had gone on a USO tour together, Mm -hmm. and um, she had arranged for Gwen and I to go to Ardent Studios and meet Jody. Mm -hmm. And he, at the time, Ardent Studios would uh, develop and then try to shop and sign, get artists signed. Actual artist development. Yeah. Wow. That, but we're now we're talking about sure, like you know, nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety, and um, so <laughs> we go, we go meet Jody, and he's just, I mean, you guys, you're not girls, but for a girl, I mean, you just, I was just like going, oh my god, <laughs> this man is. Gorgeous. <laughs> so he could have told me to sing this, the phone book, and I went, uh-huh, yeah. Um, but just a very kind man, very, very kind man. And he had some ideas of what he would like to hear Gwen and I do. Mm-hmm. So he gave us two songs, and... He said, come back in a week and we'll record them just acoustic so I have something I can shop. And um, so we came back and went into Studio A, just me and Gwen and Joe Beth. And there was this guy uh, named Jeff Powell. He was in there. And little did I know that he was... um, a night guy there, night guy, meaning, <laughs> uh, you know, you change the light bulbs and empty the trash. And and if you're lucky, you get to sit in on a session and watch what's going on and mm-hmm. learn. And, you know, he was going to school, I think at the time. Yeah, he was. He was going to school at U of M or back then Memphis State. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the three of us were in, in the room with him and he was running around and we were talking and he was just super funny and nice and uh, and he left the room for a second and Gwen had known my <laughs> of my prior relationship with someone that she had gone to school with uh-huh. and she's like Susan <laughs> this guy's the kind of guy you date and marry uh-huh. And I said, no, 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 no. He's too nice. Oh, no. Yeah. He's way too nice. Not my type. I like bad boys. You know, so who knew that, you know, down the road. Yeah, right. We would, I mean, we were really, really good friends. Mm -hmm. And then it just dawned on me when he gave me the ultimatum. It was either him alone or because I was dating all these other people. He's like, nope. And I was like, ah, nobody tells me what to do. Oh, wow. I don't know who you think you are, mister. But it dawned on me like the next day when I, because we used to talk on the phone all the time. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm in love with this. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Oh, yeah. Man. So, I mean, I just, yeah, I miss, he's like, he's my best friend. So we got married. The rest is history. <laughs> there you go. About a, yeah, we got married about a year and a half, two years later. Wow. 
he's we yeah we're inseparable and and now you're dedicated to uh to the town of memphis now now that looks like you're you're going to be staying in town right yeah so it seems like nice change of plans from from what you had going right yeah i mean every time we we thought about even jeff and i thought about moving Mm -hmm. from time to time um but you know every time we would look at someplace else it's like it's not memphis wow it's just not it's not Memphis, and we love Memphis, and we have we have made our home here, and yeah. we've um, tried to appreciate being nurtured by Memphis. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <there> okay. <laughs> Jonathan just turned the laptop. Here. What, what, what's, what's you got? You can what? totally swear if you want what? to. <laughs> Yes, we have the little E for expletive yeah. or. Yeah. I didn't it. know if it was. Yeah. I was no, going to no, get no, I was, beeped. No. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it was very charming seeing That's you edit sweet. yourself. Yeah. That, was, that, that was great. <laughs> so, 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 hang. So, you get to meet Mr. Jody, Mr. Uh, uh, um, um, drummer extraordinaire, and, and Arden. He's been attached with Arden for, forever, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, so, so this this begins. Um, obviously. You meet people, they keep calling you back, and just uh, starts to grow. Yeah, I mean, the first, um, the first session, professional session that I ever got was because, well, yeah, because of Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was working with Tom Dowd. Uh, they mm. were, were doing Leonard Skinner 1991 record. Yeah. And Dale Rosington, who's married to Gary... She's a badass singer, mm-hmm. and uh, they needed a couple of singers to sing with her mm-hmm. to do the backups. And so Jeff had told Tom, he's like, my girlfriend sings, you know. And so he's like, well, he goes, great, I trust you, but she has to pass Dale's test, mm-hmm. you know, because Dale, uh-huh. it's Dale's gig, man. She's got to, right. you know, if Dale's cool with it and they can blend. right. Then cool. So um, I meet her. I, we go into the the tape. Uh, there's like this little mailroom tape place <laughs> that used to be in Arden, and uh, she just kind of I don't know. She kind of looked at me and she was thinking, oh no, Mm-mm. oh, you know. But then she she was like, okay, do this. And uh, and I did it, and she kind of gave the oh my, okay, that was not what I was expecting, right. <clears throat> and uh, and I, which pleased me because I thought oh okay, you know, and uh, and then later on, I think I came back the next day, and um, Stephanie Bolton, who is a phenomenal singer. Uh, I actually also knew her from Kirby High School mm. from when I was working on their musicals. Um, and I hadn't seen her in years and years and years. And David Porter was working with Stephanie, and he had brought her in to Arden to meet Tom Dowd. And um, so she was the third singer. Mm. So it was Stephanie Bolton. And, and I singing with Dale Rosington, and that's the three of us on all the songs. Wow. For that 1991 
It was so much fun. Oh my yeah, gosh. I believe it. Just sing. And what a crazy band. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so mean, were, were, were you all cutting live together? Were, were you doing like overdubs later on? or how? Like? We did not track. Back then, mm-hmm. cutting live with the band um, was old school. Yeah. Looked down sure. upon. Sure. People mm-hmm. were, you know, even though Tom was old school. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. He did track with the band, but overdubs were separate. Mm-hmm. So we had the luxury. And the great thing about Tom is that he didn't stay in the control room. Like he would get a pair of headphones, come out on the floor, and sit with us and, oh, no, no, kid, you're doing it. Up. No. Oh, come here, kitty cat, over here. Yeah. You want to hit? You get the third, and she's going to do the fifth. And then you guys are going to, okay. You know, like wow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. he was such a character. But he was like all in it, and he would direct us mm-hmm. and, um, he was hands on. He didn't like. He wasn't the, you know, push talk, push the, the button. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. He was involved, and uh, that helped create a vibe. I'm sure, right? It did because yeah. you felt really taken care of, and you knew when you were doing something right because he would close his eyes and he'd go. Like, <laughs> yeah. He kind of lean back in his seat and laugh silently, like, yeah. or do that like like gosh darn kind of move, like oh, oh yeah. yeah, or. You know, cheering hand like we nailed it, and uh, so that yeah. I mean, what a dear, sweet man. Mm. Loved him so much. Um, yeah. So that so was kind of my start. That's that's not a bad gig to, no. to no. Uh, out of the gate, is it? No. So you know, there's been um, a, a lot of uh, um, awesome attention paid to, to the studio uh, personnel that have made records you know, and the American music scene. Um, James Jamerson, the Motown, you know, the mm-hmm. Muscle Shoals and uh, the L.A. scene. So, um, but as far as being a vocalist, I, I don't know. It's been mostly instrumentalist. Uh, what, what's, it, what's what's the headspace? What is it that you, know, you obviously acquired some really important chops in New York that lent, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're getting calls and your people are calling you back when you move back to Memphis. But what, what can you share as far as like a headspace and being a vocalist, a session vocalist, and coming in maybe blind to, to a project? You know, you don't know what... I mean, obviously, it's, it's so innate. You just you just do it now. But have you thought about like, you know, what, what it is that the skills that you, you've acquired that help you get, get called back? Um, well... Y- as opposed to I mean, being I guess. The, yeah, the front person. Yeah, no. But I mean, you're also a front person, right? Too. It, right. And not everybody, not everybody that is a front person can sing backgrounds. Why is that? And vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because when you're a when you're a front person, your job is to stick out, mm-hmm. and and uh, and. Y- you don't ever really care if you're blending with other singers unless it, I mean if you're unless you're doing a duo or a, you've got your background singers if you have those um, yeah it's kind of a it, it, it is a little bit of a a, a, a talent mm-hmm. I guess that it, it has and it's developed I didn't just have it but uh, I, I think I learned. I learned from other singers that were good at it how to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Reba Russell, she's someone who knows how to be a front person. She's a badass. Yeah. But she also did a lot of background work, and she knew how to blend. And I knew that about her. And, um, and, and you know, I learned a lot from, from that one experience in the studio with Dale, you know, her and Stephanie and I went trying to blend and, you know, there were, and, and learned a lot from Tom Dowd, you know. I mean, when you work with different producers, you kind of, it's a trial and error thing. Mm-hmm. You learn what in your personality works and what doesn't. You kind of have to be a little bit of a chameleon, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to be, um, I, I guess what the new, I don't know. It's a new word or not, but uh, an empath. Oh, nice. You know, like, yeah. and I am because I, I am a very sensitive person, and but so, I'm also a very large personality, so I try very hard to read the room mm-hmm. um, when to shut up and listen, when to come out with an idea. You know, uh, that's one of the things. It's like sometimes some producers or bands, it's different all the time. It's like you may, like Tom Dowd was a producer who had everything kind of mapped out. He knew what he wanted. Um, But he also was smart enough to know, to listen for the magic, that if somebody had an idea, Mm -hmm. and I always, this is my favorite quote. Uh, he used to say all the time and my husband and I have stolen it and run with it uh, let's put it down we can hate it later yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. you know we nice. can hate it later if, if, if it's you have an idea and you think it's going to make it better mm-hmm. let's not waste time arguing about no no that's not what I had in my head he was open enough to say you know what that's not what I was thinking but let's hear it. Maybe it will be better than what I thought. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. that, that that takes some grown up pants, doesn't it? Well, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, and you, you've you've probably been a part of sessions where ego was has been crushing the mellow, so to speak. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dude! She, she just rolled her eyes for those of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, that is a, a maturity it, level. I mean, he, I, I was listening uh, Pat Metheny, and I'm gonna nerd out a little bit. Hey. I'm, Guitar nerd, go, Guitar go for it. Yeah. Do it. But, you know, and, and, and this was a recent interview. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been doing it for, you know, 40 years. And, you know, his comment that pertains here is, is you know, the maturity level that he's reached is really all about listening. You know, it's just, he's just learned to listen more. You know, he's and it, you know, by his own admission, if, and if I'm misquoting him, I'm sure somebody's going to uh, mm-hmm. chime in and, and let me know. But, you know, it's just like, you know, I've finally gotten to the point where, you know, I hear it, you know, like I want to hear and, and listen before I play, you know, before I contribute. And it's just, it's hard. It, you know, it, it's, I think it's the majority of creating music is listening, you know, but that's a hard space to get to, I think. It, it is. And one of the, I, I don't know if you know who David Kowser is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Without even ever saying, I'm going to mentor you, <laughs> he's, I really look up to him, and I, uh, I have learned a lot from him. Um, he is really good at the whole minimalistic, let there be space, yeah. 
if you don't have anything to say, don't say it musically. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, you know, everybody when we're young, we we all want to show everything that we can do. Right, sure. We want to cram that sack full of all the goodies that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and make sure that everyone knows all the, the tricks we got and the, you know, and um, and that's great. There's a time and a place for that. But also, like you said, there's a, if you, that skill of, of listening to the other performers um, and the other people in the room, that is actually that spirit, the unsaid stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other entity in the room that guides everything. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really important. And, man, we sure could use a lot of that right now in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, what a contrast of um, what's it like to have a room full of folks who are like-minded in wanting to hear a great recording happen as opposed to getting their own personal agenda done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, well, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned earlier, and we can go two two different directions with this. <laughs> same same tree, two different branches. Um, you mentioned co-writing earlier, mm-hmm. um, but you know my theme this season has been you know process. You know, asking people their creative process. Mm. Um, so when you sit down to write a song, um, I, I, my question is two parts: um, Where is your um, Muse your headspace. Uh, do you have a, a thing that you do every time you sit down to write? Um, and then we can maybe get back around to co-writing and how that's different, the same. I never wrote until the mother station broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of I didn't know. That was another point of oh shit, got to regroup. Don't mm-hmm. know what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. What do I sing? Who do I? What? What? Who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I? Where? Where am I going next? And uh, and a lot of alone time for me. I mean, I know there's a, a lot of writers that really they depend so much on stimulus. You know, they they've got to go out and see and hear and be and do to get their creative juices flowing mm-hmm. um, I'm one of those people that I require a lot of quiet amen and alone time I yeah I just I mean quiet where I'm bored mm. I need to be I need to be so bored mm-hmm. that your brain reach, starts to reach for yes yeah I yeah I, I've had some wild stuff like while sweeping, like doing mundane things, mm-hmm. my brain starts to get itchy and, 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 and has to start to, you know, like ideas. You, you tend to, I'm sure that's why people garden or, you know, and not saying garden, gardening is mundane, but this some kind of task to where your brain starts to reach for creative things. Yeah, because you're relaxing it because you're not yeah. actively thinking. You're doing something that is literally, or it's like a very zen kind of place mm-hmm. and and that's not I mean that's where that first uh, 
space came from was the lack of stimuli, you know, the lack of having other people to be around musically. Mm. And, I mean, I was pretty devastated at that point when the band broke up. How long of an endeavor was that? How long How long were you guys together? Um, let's see. We were together from like 1989, 90 till about uh, 94, 95. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so... And it was, and it wasn't just like I mean, it was intense. Like we were together every single day. Oh wow! Hours and hours and hours. You know, and then touring together, and mm-hmm. you know, making a record, and it, so we, it was intense. And then I was always singing someone else's songs, and I never contributed to that. I didn't even know if I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had a voice. Oh wow! You know, yeah. as a writer. Mm-hmm. And until, and you know, uh, everything went away. So, I mean, I think that just it woke up this other side of me that needed to be creative. Um, I taught myself to play guitar. Uh, and I had always kind of dabbled on piano. My, my husband was um, uh, given his grandmother's piano. Mm. Uh, so when, when we were first married, I mean, he had already had it. So that was... And I, I, growing up, we always had a piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always my go-to, you know. Uh, even though I wasn't a piano player, I, I, liked, I liked to touch it and, and kind of hear a few notes on it. Didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I, as far as writing, I, I found that picking up the guitar and um, Jeff had shown me a few different tuning uh, things mm-hmm. and I mean he, he was gone a lot at this point like Jeff was like he was either working at Arden on major things mm-hmm. I don't know if he was working on the Almond Brothers or uh, no that we were already married at this point but he was also like traveling a lot like he would move uh, go to London and work with a band or go to Seattle or LA he was you know, mobile Getting calls all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and I and I wasn't like I would I would get a call to do background sessions mm-hmm. here and there, but I was mostly, I would say for a good eight to eight months to a year, I didn't go anywhere or do anything. I was really in a cocoon state, mm. you know, trying to figure out who I, you know, because I had always let, um, I I was reactionary in my life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't what my dad wanted me to be. I wasn't the <laughs> plan your work and work, work your plan. Your plan. Right. I wasn't, right. That wasn't me. Yeah. That right. was very pragmatic and uh, very well thought Five out. Five year plan. Yes. Yeah. And that's not me. Mm-hmm. I am a very uh, and always have been um, a very reactionary, um, touchy feely kind of go with the flow. Where am I being? Uh, where am I being pulled to now? Mm-hmm. It's like life is a stream and I'm a leaf and I just yeah. kind of am traveling down and I might get stuck right. on a rock for a while and that might be my little home. But then something comes along and it, it takes me down another path that I wouldn't know. You know, I, I, I try not to fight the stream too much. Yeah. But I, you know, 
I still think it's important for you to have an idea of where you want to go. So that was my opening into songwriting. Mm. And then I started uh, Mary Yunovsky, who is a professional songwriter. Uh, she wrote, oh golly, she wrote with a lot of different folks. Uh, her brother, Mike Yunovsky, uh, was a guitar player. I think he's the one that wrote Asshole. <laughs> Asshole, no doubt about it, you're an asshole. Simply no class, oh, no doubt about it. Asshole's what you are. <laughs> and Jim Jim Dickinson covered it, and then Reba Russell's. Reba likes to bring it out every now and then, and it, it brings me such joy yeah. to listen to I Reba think, sing that. I think people have been singing that a lot lately. Is that what's going <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but so... So uh, oh, no. Mary, that's her brother, that Mary, uh, I brought my first song that I wrote to Mary and she, you know, I mean, I've had no training, uh, you know, and, and, and also to back up a little bit in high school, I mean, like I did so poorly in grade, grade wise, like really poorly in college, really poorly. I was not diagnosed with dyslexia until I went to college. Oh, And wow. I was like, oh. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Oh. Thank God I thought I was fucking stupid. Oh. I didn't. Like, yeah. seriously. No, I, and yeah. back then, nobody knew. It oh. wasn't really talked about. Right. So, and even now, they're even discovering more and more that a mm. lot of really creative people sure. are dyslexic. And that's their way. The brain processes everything yeah. so much differently. Yeah. And mm. and yeah, so that cuts some slack. So self-taught, I I have this song. She's heard me sing. She invites me to her house. And she's like, so Susan, <laughs> she's got this real, real calming voice. Why don't you play me a little something? Play me what you're working on. And I, and I you know, played this song for her and she just kind of looked at me and she's like, well, that's really great, but where's the payoff? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, at first I was like, bitch, <laughs> I got your payoff. We're not that good of friends yet. Yeah, I was just like, what? Like, I just, I, I just really just, I was shocked because I thought, <laughs> but she she but she was right. Yeah. She was a professional like she comes from another place of songwriting mm. and uh she she knows that whole she's worked with people from LA and mm. Nashville and New York and London and I mean she is a professional songwriter. So I I had to check my mm -hmm. ego mm -hmm. and um simmer down <laughs> and listen to her and and so we started co-writing. And, and then that led to me writing with some other folks around town that um, uh, bass player, friend, Mike Carroll, um, he's no longer in the music industry, but he really helped me with songwriting. Um, and so that was, it was just a different experience. And then, and then going to Nashville, uh, ASCAP set, sent me up with uh, a you know, professional writing, and that was really different. Mm. That's just so different because you don't know this person. You go into a room like we're in now. You know, it might have a piano 
and you're meeting with somebody you've never met mm-hmm. and you've got one hour to write a hit song. Okay, okay. and go. Let's go. Right. And that felt really sterile. Mm. But that's when I figured out, oh, okay. So there's a craft to this. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and there is no, but but what I learned in going back and forth is that there is no right or wrong in songwriting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're, I've been doing more pop writing yeah. lately. Yes, and, you have. And it's, first of all, I've always done just instrumental writing whenever I've sat down to write. And then I started messing with, whatever you want to art song sort of stuff you know like mm-hmm. trying to speak your truth sort of situations and then you know we, we kind of get the situation where we have to do some more pop stuff you know and you're like alright this is not about you know burying your soul this is you know, this this has a purpose you know this you know our objective is X, Y, and Z you know right. and put all this other stuff aside and mm-hmm. just just do that you know it's, whatever it happens to be it's it's a weird space to be in. <laughs> it is because there's yeah. so many different variables, right? And it and I mean, I, you try not to be cold with it, but you know, you, yeah. But you're like, okay, I have a task, <laughs> and I'm going to do this thing, you know. To yeah. The, and you know, and and it doesn't have to mean you know anything. <laughs> I, I I know it's yeah. just it's it's getting yourself erasing your head, right. And and getting into that space of finishing that the task of. What it is you're setting out to do, especially when you're co-writing. Mm-hmm. When you're co-writing, mm-hmm. oh, and you're so vulnerable because it's like, oh, is that other person going to think I'm terrible? Like, it's if I open my mouth and say, "Hey, what about?" Okay, da 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 da. That really sucks. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. Of course it does. I meant I didn't mean that. Uh, what am I? Sorry. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, it's a very vulnerable state to be in to actually open your mouth and. Oh gosh. You know, in, in, uh, in our interview with, uh, Hamilton Harden, uh, um, from Made in Memphis, he, mm-hmm. he, you know, true, you know, there's not, there's no such thing as a good or bad song. Is that what we just said? Is that what you just said? Mm, yeah. More or less. More or less. No right and wrong in song, right? I'm sorry. Right. Yes. Yeah. Although he did, he did point out that in songwriting, there are two headspaces. You can you either write a song to where you're going to the people, whatever the mass, the the, the largest popular. comedy not right, yeah. or, or as an artist you're asking people to come to you. Right, right. Yeah, I remember and, that. that that's right, really remember good. that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's something that's kind of helped me where I'm thinking like, okay, well, this is something that I would really dig. But you know, I'm kind of weird and nerdy, so. Yeah, you have to set that aside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, there's a little bit of headspace judo that, that goes on, I think. And you know, and, and if, if you've decided like, well, this in this moment, I'm just going to be artist, and this is just me doing a thing, then that's I think you know you're you're kind of. And I, that that was interesting when yeah, you said not, that. It's that, not that, that the was song that you have, you know, that you have to set that aside. That that uh, you know, bring the people to you part of you aside. It it doesn't necessarily mean the. Uh, writing the song for the masses, so to speak, is yeah. bad by any yeah. stretch. You know, I mean, you want it to be good. Right. Hello, how you doing? 
And we'll take a, a slight pause for the cause. <laughs> we should have... Oh, voting machines. Hey, we didn't mess with them. We didn't touch them. I didn't do anything with them. As far as we know, there's no Russian hacking going on either, so it's all good. <laughs> hey, congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Hey, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Actual voting machines. I, 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 I told you, but, right? But, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I thought you were, I was like, huh, yeah, okay. And how you do? Do you need a break, by the way? Or are you, mm. we just jamming along here? I'm good. Um, well, so we, 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 yeah, songwriting. Yeah, I was just saying that you know, yeah, in no way that I mean you know, just because you know, whatever song you're working on that's for somebody else or for some you know other purpose, you know, masses or whatever, however you want to define it. Um, I've already forgotten what Hamilton said, but that was brilliant. Um, Writing, going to the people right. with the song or asking them to come to you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and with the idea that asking them to come to you would be the more artist-driven right, right. songwriting. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, going to the people is shallow and doesn't mean anything and right. it has to be bad, you know. Right. Not, not, not by any means. But no. There no. are two different approaches to that, though, yes. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I... I can't remember. I don't even remember where or when this was and who said it. But where I I was at a show, and and there was it was a singer songwriter show, and uh, somebody was leaned over and was like, "God, person is so indulgent." Oh, wow! And I, and I was just thinking, well. Isn't that what an artist is? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, what, yeah. you know, I, I just remember thinking that asshole comment you just made, um, you, you don't even, I mean, thank God. Your artists are supposed to be self-indulgent. If, you, if know? you go somewhere for dessert, hopefully the pastry chef has been indulgent. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but self-indulgent is just like, you know, no, self-indulgent. Uh, I'm sure probably a lot of people called Dylan self-indulgent. Oh, well. Lucinda Williams self-indulgent. Mm -hmm. Thank God, because they're great writers. Yeah. Those are also writers. I mean, like, when you're saying, like, Lucinda, she's written a lot of songs that were very personal. Mm -hmm. but, but also, because they're so personal... They do translate, and they it some songs do go both ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's right. like, right. which is a phenomenon to me. Mm -hmm. You know, the golden mean. Of, yeah, yeah. That's that's, yeah. Because it's like if it's so personal and it wasn't meant, it you know when when an artist is being self indulgent and needing mm -hmm. to exercise the demons right. that you know <laughs> they need to, it is also very comical in a way when other people relate to it in such a way for example every breath you take mm -hmm. he wrote that about divorce mm. it's kind of a creepy song it, yeah. it, it is yeah. but people <laughs> want that I've had so many people say would you sing this song at our wedding and I'm like absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, right. have, have you nope. actually sat down with the lyrics yeah <laughs> 
You know, when I, when I was playing with a, when I was playing a ton of weddings in St. Louis, uh, <laughs> in the, in the 90s, and it was still such a big song of like for first dances of uh, saving all my love for you, which is about a side chick. You know, having this discussion with 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 her man that you know mm-hmm. you need your family and and they, but tonight is the night. I'm thinking like, <laughs> I'm thinking like you've only heard the chorus. Obviously, you've only heard the chorus. You haven't heard this whole story arc of a woman who's the side chick yeah. and she's wrestling with a married man and his family. You really the first dance at your wedding? Okay, here we go. You know, it yeah. was just always kind of surreal, like. <laughs> This has got to be the weirdest ever, all the time. Like there was a while, like uh, oh, can we? I'm thinking just whatever. Okay, you know, it's just it's kind of that was maybe I don't know if that was nationwide, but that was like a St. Louis thing. Oh yeah, no. Okay, that's right. Fu- that's okay. funny. Yeah, it's kind of weird. weird. Isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so you're gigging. So you and Jeff are making a home, and and he's um, you know getting gigs, and you're getting gigs, and and. Um, here we are. It's, it's almost 2020, and 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 technology has uh, been a cruel uh, driving force. At, I mean, obviously, as, as artists, we embrace it and run with it. But um, yeah. So, how has the business, uh, you know, the artistry changed with technology? You know, I've got a laptop right here, tracking our podcast, and uh, you know, going from tape. It, you, you've experienced, you know, you and Jeff, I'm sure Jeff very, you know. Oh, yeah. So how, how, how would, how's that, if, if you could, I know that's a big question to ask, but like, have you thought about how, you know, boy, this, this, how things have changed very quickly and continue yeah. to do so? Yeah. I mean, it's now we're having a backlash of, you know, vinyl is outselling CDs. Yeah, so so talk about your. I mean, his 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 main is that one of his main like his. That's it? what he does now. I mean, he like rarely records anymore. He picks and chooses who he wants to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, if he wants to produce or engineer something, um, thank God he still works with me. Aww. <laughs> but uh, no, he's he's, um, he's doing vinyl uh, out of Sam Phillips. But no, that everything has changed so much and. And that's, I watched the whole decline of where he was, Mm. uh, you know, Ardent Studios, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, when I met, it was just when all these, this new technology was coming out. CDs were already out for a while, a couple of years, and... um, and yeah, just watching like the whole record industry was changing, and because of the technology, it was all happening at the same time. Record labels were eating up other record labels to where there weren't as many, mm-hmm. and budgets were getting smaller because people were going into home studios, and it's just all imploding, right? Mm-hmm. And radio Re- radio stations are all gobbled. Clear Channel, yeah, becoming iHeart Radio. Boy. Yeah, Clear Channel, mm-hmm. um, mom and pop r- radio stations, and I mean everything. Just the entire, the entire industry is, is imploding. Okay. And and changing and evolving, and and there's good and bad. I mean everything, you know. It can't all be great forever. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, it, uh, and change uh, is important even though we don't like change. Right. You know, we, we – but it's hard. And it's hard to surf that, you know, the change. It's hard to, to weather that, you know. And, uh, but we did somehow. Mm. We, we got really lucky. I mean, we had a, we had a couple of years that were really tough. Mm-hmm. That both of us were just, you know, by the time 2007, 2008 came along. Oh, with right. the housing and all yeah, that? Yeah, like yeah. we're, that's, I mean, budgets mm-hmm. by that time, record budgets, right. you know. It was just so weird. And thank God Jeff had the foresight. And he wasn't even foresight. It was just he felt compelled to learn how to cut vinyl. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? I kind of was a little bit. Yeah. And I, but I thought, he said, what do you think about that? I'm like, I think you should do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, I, I support you whatever you want to do. So, I mean, he was still engineering and producing stuff, but he was also learning the craft of cutting vinyl. It took years and years and years before he ever uh, did it. Uh on his own. Wow. And um, and now he's one of the top vinyl cutters in the world. Yeah, I right. Mean, there's probably like a hundred people in the world that cut vinyl. I have to get him on the show. Can, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why, why it's so nuanced? Like what, what, are, what are some of the, why well, is it that way? There probably used to be a lot more. Sure. Back when vinyl was the only thing. Um, but... But when everything imploded, when CDs came out and ev- and vinyl was not, you know, it was dying. I right. remember how scared everybody was. Everyone in the industry was freaking out about, oh, my God, you know, vinyl's going away. Mm. Oh, my God, you know, what are we going to do? And everything was changing. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, it, it's making a huge comeback. I mean, that... So I'm with the Recording Academy. I volunteer my time. And one of the things that, you know, we've known for a while now and looking at data is that streaming is the number one way that people, uh, you know, ingest music. Right. You know, they they don't download anymore. Right. That's, that's, you know, that used to be the big thing. Right. And now that's by the wayside. So streaming is number one. Right. Vinyl is number two. Nice. That's a mind blower. Actually. It, it is, yeah. and so yeah, it's it's just how it's come back full circle. But it it is because uh, Jeff says this. It's you know our world and how we we love technology, um, and we let it kind of rule our lives, um, and we where our brains are so. We're just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Our attention spans, we're all on our phones. Mm-hmm. Sure. We all have the attention span of a two-year-old now because mm-hmm. yep. we have to have that phone and that quick fix and that whatever. And uh, But the, the thing about vinyl is it's a very relaxing thing because the listener has to invest 45 minutes to an hour Probably like 45 minutes because you can only really put 23 minutes on each side. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, right. and so you're investing. You're not you're not sitting there like with, with CDs or with streaming. It's a per song. It's click 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 click. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to listen to something else. But with vinyl, it's a it's a commitment. <sighs> yeah, it's a commitment. Yeah, hmm. and it and and it's yeah. You're you're investing your time to to digest this, you know, piece of art. Mm-hmm. And you're looking, it's a physical thing, mm-hmm. so you're looking at the credits, you're looking at the artwork. Back to when, when I was young, and I, I mean, I just think about how you, were, you would dream and, <laughs> and try to picture the session. Mm. Yeah. You know, you'd yeah. pour, listening to the music, pouring over the liner notes, wondering, Who's Tom Dad? I wonder who that guy is. Mm. I, I remember having that when I finally met him. I'm like, I remember seeing his name on the back of an Aretha Franklin wow. you yeah. know, record. And right. just, just things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different experience. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just, it's different. Yeah. yeah. But nobody's lamenting the loss of like a disc man. <laughs> no, but, no. But, you know, they're going to hold on to their record player, you know? Uh, right. Yeah. It's. It's interesting. That's cool. Um, so, um, what, what are some recent sessions uh, um, that that kind of stand out? Uh, I, I, I do. I, you, you do pop up on my feed. You know yourself and Reba and, and some of the other um, notables in town uh, uh, that contribute to not only Memphis music, but you're, you're contributing to artists that come to Memphis. What 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 are some uh, recent sessions that that stand out for you? Two, mm-hmm. uh, well, meh, three, <laughs> three or four, um, but the the Al Green mm. getting to uh, so Matt Rossbang Grammy Award winner Matt Rossbang no slouch at no all. slouch at all yeah. um, he's my little brother from another mother mm. um, I adore him uh, he's really into the whole vintage. Gear, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, tube gear, everything, the the whole old school way of doing things. Where can, can I interrupt real quick and please. ask you about that? Because because yeah. we we talk about gear. We had a great um, podcast recently. Um, Archer Records. Archer Records talking about gear, and mm-hmm. so it's something that and, and and that extends to even guitars. Us being you know like the vintage thing, but how. How much of an aesthetic? How important, you know, being that you you've traveled in you know in home studios and just a laptop and something that's got warm tubes and gets hot when it's left on too long. How, how much? How, how how do you understand the aesthetic of like vintage gear tape as opposed to like how? What, what, what's your take on that? I, I don't know. There's just a there's just a warmth about it. There's yeah. something, and, and maybe it's because it's what I was used to hearing and okay. it's a nest I don't know but I do know uh, we're going into a whole other rabbit hole here uh, I don't want to No no I'm no that's sorry. okay but it, uh, uh, Andrew Sheps yeah. a- Andrew Sheps uh, who's an engineer producer right he had this thing and you can watch it on YouTube um, uh, god I'm trying to think of the name of it one of his mixing master classes? Well, or? no, it's it's not a mixing max master class, although he does that. Mm-hmm. But it's um, ah, he has a name for it. But 
he had an assistant who came home or came to his house to work for him. Right. And it was a young kid, his son's age, you know, in high school or first year college, I don't know. And he was just saying how exhausted he was. And Andrew was like, why, why, what did you do today? And he goes, I listen to music. I don't know why I'm so tired though. I'm just like, just exhausted. And so Andrew was like, well, what did you, what were you listening to? And uh-huh. you know, like his, so finding out it's digital. Yeah. Digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Andrew has this whole thing. Uh, you really should watch it. It's fascinating. But he thought there was something to this. He's like, why would you be so fatigued listening to music? Right. Come to find out he was listening to a lot of MP3s. Oh, yeah. Well, MP3s don't have... Uh, all the information in it. Sure. Right. Yeah. There's lots of information taken out. Mm-hmm. So, at the, if you were to think of a um, a picture, and you would see that there's just a little bit of a sketch, and you could barely tell what it was. Right. It would be like the difference of your brain works to fill things in, like or, or letters. Like there's a sentence, and if you take all the vowels out, your brain is working to read that and fill everything in so you can read that sentence even though none of the words have any vowels in them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what your brain is doing when you're listening to MP3s. Working. It's working to try to fill in what's missing. Mm. And so uh, he was doing this whole uh, panel discussion, taking it around to all the different recording academies, Mm -hmm. chapters, where he would play the same song, mm-hmm. MP3, vinyl, wave file, YouTube, high quality, low quality. Like mm. you just, and you could, people, you could, it's a physiological thing. Interesting. You, you yeah. know, you can, yeah. So, so that's why, it's like maybe that's why tube gear is more, I don't know. We we covet it more because there's a mm-hmm. a, fami- a familiarity and a warmth and a I, I don't know. It's more calming and soothing, even if it's something that's energetic and so I, you know. Yeah, I want you to jump back to the session, but yeah. I wanted to ask that because I know so Matt's onto something. It's, it's it's not just the cool shirts. You know, the Western wear, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Because cause he does dress cool. But but I'm saying, like, there, there's something just beyond the, um, maybe it's because it's fashionable or hip or nostalgic, no, right? No, it's just because it sounds good. Yeah. And basically, that's what we're, we were trying to just do something that sounds good. Um, so, and, so, so the Al Green session, so that, yeah, Oh, yeah. So, right? I mean, that was a thrill. Matt got asked to do something for Amazon Music where right. he did something with John Prine, Margot Price, uh, Al Green, and William Bell. And uh, he asked Reba Russell and I to sing backgrounds. I mean, we're, you know, we're lucky. Reba and I are really lucky because Matt, Matt thinks that Reba and I are the shit for background <laughs> singers. So we get called a lot and we're so thankful awesome. and so happy. Yeah. But so that was like just a, so much fun to sing on. But the, the top session, and I love every single artist that Matt brings in. I love singing on all their stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one particular session might be the best session I personally have ever been involved with ever in my entire career. 
Foy Vance. I, I've listened to that. That is a great record. Yeah. Foy Vance, he is an Irishman, mm-hmm. singer-songwriter with a voice that can do anything, 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 take you anywhere. He is based in soul, so soulful. But that particular session, now Matt and I, Matt has has always called us for stuff, Mm -hmm. but never called us to be live with the band. We didn't do overdubs. Okay. We were there. Right. We were all kind of in a circle looking at each other mm-hmm. and set up in the same room mm-hmm. and you know, feeding off of each other yeah. and that energy. And I've we literally Al Gamble, uh Richard Allen Ford, Pedal Steel, Will Sexton, uh, you know, just uh, Ken Coomer on drums. Um it just Jesse Jesse Munson on violin. Um, it was just a, it was a magical thing mm-hmm. um, to cut. We were only supposed to cut like four or five songs, mm-hmm. but it, it was going so well that he wanted to come back. So we cut five songs in one day. We came oh, wow. back and we cut another five songs. Oh wow! And yeah. we'd never heard them. We didn't, but. It was just the most magical thing I have ever, and I, I was, I told Matt, I'm like, I never want to cut backgrounds any other way. <laughs> but, but he was like, okay, ho, ho. <laughs> not, not, not every artist right. is that can good. Do that. Can, yeah, because his yeah. voice, his voice was like, we, we had to probably do the song, I don't know, up to f- maybe up to five times t- for everybody to really yeah. figure out where they were pulling in and pulling out and, you know, getting that right level. And I don't know, but I, not every artist that he's going to work with is going to be able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow. That's lovely. That's sure. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go hear that. That That is a... Yeah, the record's called To Memphis, yeah. Foy Vance. Yeah, and in comparison, a friend of mine is, is, is a huge fan of Foy Vance, and um, his favorite track, I think, I want to say She Burns. Oh, yeah. Uh, produced by Elton John, hmm. actually. And and that and that's a far more, I can't think of the term, but like it's kind of got a European, like a Euro kind of pop vibe to it. Yeah. And, it, and it's great, too. You know, uh, so to contrast it, yeah, but he sounds like a, a he sounds like a, is, is Van Morrison a bad, I mean, kind of Van Morrison-ish? No, no, you know, but, no, But he's no. got that, it'd be like to hear him in a Memphis-type vibe. It's like, well, that that's, yeah, that's what he sounds like. It, it's it's yeah. great. Yeah. And, and, but, I mean, if you listen to all his work, right. it's all extremely very, very different. Yep. And I know, uh, I know that people, we all like to know, well, what kind of artist is he? Right. He's an artist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. right. So don't, he's not to be pigeonholed. Yeah. He's the kind of artist that is a true artist. He does different things all the time. So you cannot pigeonhole him yeah. genre-wise. Mm. Right. He's going to take you everywhere he's feeling he needs to go. That's cool. And I love that. Mm. That's sweet. So so the Foy, the Foy session, so to speak. Um As far as like with your own uh, 
with your own artistry. You're, the the Susan Marshall thing. How, how what 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 are what are your uh, what's your current state of uh, artistry with that? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, it sounds like you're pretty busy, so you, you got to make time for for everything, right? I'm busy. Yeah, it's a. I'm I'm going through this different phase because you know it's a older older white artist soul singer. It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing where the younger people. Uh, it's a young person's game, uh-huh. you know, and and so aging in this process is difficult. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like and Reba, Reba Russell and I are really good friends, and we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, well, how much longer can we sustain this? Yeah, mm-hmm. how much longer is because it's, you know, when you're older, it's too it's. You know, I mean, I'm not at that age yet where I don't want to tour. I'd love to tour. But uh, it's just nothing. It's just not ever happened for me. Um, I stayed here mm-hmm. and made money doing backgrounds, you know, sessions and and playing, you know, in different clubs around town. Um, and occasionally getting to go out you know, and and play with, with other artists. It's, But right now, I don't know where I am. I'm kind of in a um, trying to figure that out stage, uh-huh. you know, because I don't, I don't know how badly people really want to hear what I have to say. It's kind of a, I had a great, uh, a really great show the other night at the green room, you know, uh-huh. it's like, it was nice to be an to be in that situation, it's like we we do what we have to do to make money. You yeah. you play in a club and you're just background music. You're not really right. people sure, aren't really sure. there to yeah, yeah. to sit and listen and right. take you in. You know, <laughs> but so it was very very nice. But the uh, green room know. is a listening room. That, it is a listening room. Yeah, and I'm so happy that Crosstown exists. Right, they're doing a lot of really great things mm-hmm. to help uh, artists. Not just people who are musicians, right. but musicians who want to be artists that even if it's just for a little while, they have these really great programs where you can say, hey, I want to work on this project. And they'll go, okay. And they help facilitate that for you. And I I think that's so important. And I think it's going to be a game changer for all the musicians in Memphis, mm. uh, no matter what genre you consider yourself to be. I think they're looking to open minds and yeah. to be a cultural whoopee blanket. Oh, you know? nice. <laughs> you know, everyone needs that. you got to feel comfortable enough yeah. to mm-hmm. be open to explore and to do things you never dreamt that you would do. That's great. And I feel like that's what they're doing by all accounts. Whatever I see, mm-hmm. whatever I go to, I think, wow, that's really... That's very groundbreaking from Memphis. Yeah, it's a it's a welcoming space over there. I've, I've yeah, I've always felt welcome yeah. whether I'm playing or listening. It's it's yeah. Yeah, we, we got to interview uh, uh, the crew over there as yeah. well, and that was it was a excited group of people to be around. You know, and they're 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 so excited for what they can sow into this town, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's a business also, but they're very. Pro Memphis, so to so to speak. Yeah, you know, very pro Memphis yeah. and, and pro. They're helping the 
they know that art enriches yeah. its people. Yeah. That's why they're they're trying to be this community of you you know, it's not just for the and I don't mean this I do not mean this in a slammed way at all, but it's not just for the prof- professional musician. Yeah, right. It's for people who are straddling both trying to be a professional musician and also have another job, but they're trying they're they're wanting to exercise that artistry right. mm-hmm. that they never had the chance to before. And I think that's so important. And I, I really think that um, we're gonna see a lot of growth. Uh, we I think we already have. Yeah, we have. Yeah. You know, I think we've seen a lot of really exciting growth in Memphis culturally because of people are like that are expanding and making things available, you know, to its citizens. Yeah. It's a good thing. I mean, speaking of which, you, you produce as well, don't you? Produce uh, artists? I, I have a couple. Yeah. 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 Uh, Did so you enjoy that? Do you enjoy that being? I do very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is nerve wracking. Um, and it's a lot of work. Uh, and but it's scary. <laughs> Actually, can you, can you, can you tell our audience why producing is <laughs> can be a lot of work? Because <laughs> you're everything. You're in charge of everything, right? You're you're in charge of if it's an artist with no band, then you're in charge of casting the characters mm-hmm. that you think are going to serve that artist and those particular songs, mm-hmm. and then drilling down even further. Once you get that, you think, okay, well, then picking the songs that are going to fit together and, or you think, and then <laughs> weeding out once you're there, oh, that's not yeah, what I, no, yeah. wow, mm-hmm. that yeah. would, that took a hard left right. <laughs> and then zigzagged right and then fell off the earth. Right. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that, but, um, and yeah, having to know. Having to have the guts to say, yeah, I know we just spent a lot of money on this one song, but we have to throw it away because it's shit. (laughs) It's utter shite. (sighs) Yeah. So, and not not that it was anyone's fault. It's just just turned out the way. It just turned out the wrong way. And um, and you have to make the hard call. Yeah. Yeah. Record it now. Hate it later. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Just burn those 50s, baby. We're just burning $50 bills. No problem. But you've had quite a a fabulous mentorship, right? You've been mentored by by the process with high-quality people. So, Yeah, I've had a lot of really great mentors. Um, uh, One of my my greatest mentors, Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because he taught me about how to cover a song. Mm. I loved how he would do cover songs, and uh, that inspired me. I mean, when he would cover a song, I'd go, wow, that is really dark (laughs) and kind of creepy. Yeah. Why do I like that so much? Wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah. My so, wife my wife loves um uh what would you call it? Almost like a like a 
she loves it when, especially like in film, like Netflix, they'll take something like a Carpenter's and then mm-hmm. some like a Billy Eilish will do like this gothic. Yes. Minor. Treat, and you know, right. And, and, and she goes, oh, I just love that. It's like, really? That's, yeah. And that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> or you take like this love song and you, you put it into a movie where someone's chopping someone oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> But Becky likes that too. I think that she she, she is being a the, that's a very Breckian Brecht. I think was a, the the modern German theater. Yeah, he had you know like children's you know songs going on in the background while mm. someone's being yes. decimated. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. I don't I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just I love really kind of dark songs, and I'm like such a. I'm such a happy person, (laughs) you know, like I'm jovial and I love to laugh and everything. But when it comes to music, I guess I like to exercise those demons, you know? (laughs) It's a balance. Yes, it's a balancing act, all of it. Goodness. So so are are you a full-time artist or do you you have a day gig, so to speak, or what's... um, I'm lucky enough to, yeah, I'm just... I just sing. It's great. I sing for my supper. Um, as far as playing out live, you, you mentioned Itabina is, 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 is a house gig. So to yeah, speak. that's yeah. been like a residency of mine for like twelve years now. Yeah, and 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 for the folks uh, who are coming to Memphis, that, that's a it's almost like a speakeasy, a very nice speakeasy, right? Yeah, tell, tell them a, about tell it's them about above BB Kings, right? And Itabina actually is uh, it's an Indian. Uh, word or words uh i can't remember what it means but mm-hmm. it is it's it's in mississippi it's it being in mississippi and it's where bb king was born mm-hmm. and uh it's a really pretty uh upscale restaurant yeah and um yeah so they've got a piano up there and i get to uh to play with different musicians i've or or hire different musicians to you know we've got like there's a, a stable of yeah really cool different people that play up there Art Emmiston Art yeah plays yeah. up there uh, Gerald Stevens Gerald Stevens great keyboard player yeah. great guy so, but 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 it's kind of like I mean they don't there's not a big sign like you just see BBs you kind of have to there know there is no sign that, right and I don't know how this is I'm sure anyone if doing marketing would would sh- shake a finger at them like you, you but but it, it is kind of off to the side. The the entrance is off to the side on um, yeah Beale and uh, second Second Street. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think the the owner wants. Yeah. It yeah, but but people people know it's people the, it's go the marketing. You yeah, know, the the, the um, smallest what, smallest viable art audience. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're, and they're your. They're your loyal, you know, those are the people who are going to be coming back and spreading the word to the people mm-hmm. who care about that. And yeah, it's funny because we, we do get tourists mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Peabody and the Weston, and the, they'll send folks there. They'll say, oh, yeah, you guys have to go there. But for the most part, it's regulars, peop- Memphians yeah, right. Right. that go there. Yeah, that's great. If you... Uh, we haven't we, we haven't asked this in a while, but if you could, uh, what's your forecast for for Memphis music and and arts and maybe the city itself? What? That's such a good question. That's such a good question. Um, I think 
we're about to explode bigger than we ever thought. I like to hear that. That's awesome. But I, yeah, I'm glad you do. Yeah. Um, it's a little scary to me because I think we're getting a lot of spillover from Nashville. Okay. And Austin probably. Too. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because people cannot afford. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. They just can't afford. They can't afford to own a studio or even live right. there. Right. And Memphis is affordable. And uh, now. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me is right. that I don't want to be one of those places that gets so big that you're moving the artists right. out. Right. I mean, not all artists can afford to be artists full time. Right. But their artistry is important nonetheless. Right. And if we push people out, it's a very, it's a balance that it's like the ecosystem, right? You know, it's like when when one uh, species, you know, is wiped out, it really throws the whole ecosystem off. Hmm. So we we have to make sure that we don't get too big for our britches and mm. people can afford to live here so right. they can thrive as artists. Sort of right. careful what you wish for. Sort of yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. But as far as musically what's going to happen, I just think, you know, and it's so funny, but, I mean, we've got so much rap and hip-hop coming out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. But nobody talks about it. <laughs> it's like, you know. It is odd. You're right. It, it's like yeah. where everyone's talking about everything else except that. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, I mean, I think that, that Memphis holds its own right on up there with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, New York and L.A. as far as, you know, rap and hip-hop. Um, Anna Mitchell Bean, who is Boo Mitchell's sister and partner in Royal Studios, she's been, you know, really trying to help connect a lot of dots wow. for um, rappers and hip-hop artists here in town. To Also making us aware of them, you know, because it's like it's... That's the other thing. It's like... I think culturally there's – I think we're all starting to converge mm-hmm. and and work together more. Different yeah. genres are, you know, we're interlopers on each other's, you know. Um, yeah. I think more people share – Is that the right a, word? A diverse playlist. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's good. Well, is there anything that we, we haven't covered yet? We've had a delightful conversation so far. Anything Man. that, that you, you – would like to touch on that we didn't get to? I, I can't <laughs> think of anything. I mean, we almost solved all the world's problems, right? but. Right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess, yeah. I love all music forms, and I just hope, hope to be able to continue doing this i don't even know where i'm going but yeah uh, yeah, it's, yeah i appreciate you guys having me uh on your podcast and oh yeah you the know. leaf in the stream 
a, a leaf, leaf in, in the stream. stream. That's right. <laughs> Who knows where you'll see me next? Susan, thank you so much for hanging with us. This was a great conversation. Oh, thank Appreciate you so it much. Appreciate so much. Uh, if you're coming to town or you live in town, uh, Itabina, am I saying that right? Itabina? Ida, Itabina. Itabina is, is a house gig. And then look around uh, social media wise. You, you do you do Facebook, obviously, Instagram. I do the Facebook and the Instagram. And the Instagram, great way to keep up uh, keep up tabs on, on where you're uh, performing and, and what you're doing. Um, yeah, check out the Foy Vance record. Check out check out all her stuff and uh we'll see you around town all right thank you thank you guys thank you you again to susan marshall for hanging out with us that was a blast it was a lot of fun it was great and i would like to throw something in there oh yeah in closing that i made a reference to pop music Uh uh-huh um and really what i meant was i guess more commercial music yeah um for the masses yeah, well, I mean, pop music, I think, is for the masses. But, I mean, I think commercial and what I was specifically referring to, and I just didn't elaborate on uh-huh. in the conversation, was that um, you and I have been, um, we've had a project or two where yeah. we've had to write more commercial background sort of situations. And, and yes, it's it's pop related, but... We got a furniture ad placed. Yeah, right. <laughs> we sold some right. furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to come across as saying that popular music was the same as pop or oh. commercial oh, or right. anything less than. Right. No, I think yeah. I think folks would, would, would get that. But but oh, thank you. So. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I just wanted to get that out. Coming back around to Susan, covering again what it means to be an artist, what it means to uh, be a session musician, um, being in charge of your own creativity, lending creativity to something that's not your own project. She's she's got it going on. She's got to dial in. Just working and being flexible, and you know, hustling. Yeah, her headspace is ninja level. Yes, uh, session musician, and I hope you caught that. See you next episode. See you next episode.